morning. Welcome. So glad to see you this morning. My name's Matt. I'm the uh, lead pastor here at Mission View Church. If this is your first time with us this morning, welcome. We're so glad that you came to worship with us this morning. All right. Um, just a quick thing. We, um, we had a, a good Samaritan stop by the office this past week, and he had stopped off the side of the road because he saw a journal. And it's actually sermon notes, and the only name he saw in it was Mission View Church. And so he stopped by our offices. So if you're missing your journal of sermon notes and different things, we have that for you. Um, somebody brought it by the office, was kind enough to do that. So I have that here for you. You can see me after service, and we can get that to you. But um, we're in a sermon series uh, called Fear, Anxiety, Depression, Oh My, right? We uh, last week talked about fear. And um, it's, been, it's been a crazy, tumultuous last year and a half or so, hasn't it? I mean, we, we have gone through things. Uh, personally, I, I just never thought I would ever experience in life. Things that have shaken us, things that, you know, we, had a, we were locked in our homes for, for an extended period of time, wondering what was going to happen. The, the early reports of a pandemic uh, were terrifying. You know, what they were saying could happen or what... What would be, and, and even today as we prayed for the Reesers and the pastors serving in um, Mazatlan, I mean, I, I heard that, I, I got the email actually from John earlier, read through that, and it's just shocking to see and hear about those kinds of things going on in our world. And it is, it is, it is a crazy time. And fear and anxiety and depression hit hard. And all of us deal with with this crazy chaos in different ways, and we respond to it in different ways. What we wanted to do was take these three weeks, dive into God's word, and say, you know, what does God have to say about fear? What does God have to say about anxiety and depression and things that a lot of us deal with as we deal with just the craziness that is life? So I have to be honest with you this morning, I'm a little anxious about this sermon today. Okay, bad pastor joke, right? That was really bad. The older I get, my dad jokes and my pastor jokes, they just get worse and worse. So you'll just have to bear with me week by week as I come up with these terrible jokes. We've all been there, right? We've all been anxious. I mean, whether it's something important coming up in our life and the weight is killing you, your mind races to a million different scenarios over and over again. The next thing you know, you're sweating, your heart is racing, and you're dealing with, with acid reflux and heartburn. You can't sleep, you can't eat, you're driving everyone around you crazy as you try to control them because it seems like your life is out of control. I mean... It, there's, there's just so many different things that go on. And I, I could go on into all the medical studies that I read about this past week as I studied anxiety. And let me just tell you, science says anxiety is bad for you. I'm just going to say that instead of pointing you to all these studies from Harvard and Yale and all these other places. I'm just going to tell you anxiety is bad for you. And not only does science tell us that anxiety is bad for us, but we're going to find out today in Philippians chapter 4 that anxiety is bad for us, and, and God thinks that anxiety is bad for us too. And we're going to find out what God's answer for anxiety is as well. So we shouldn't be anxious, right? After all, reading all this stuff and studying all this stuff, we just need to quit freaking out. We just need to take a chill pill. And that's, that's easy to say, right? But that's really difficult to do when you're watching the news, right? Or you're hearing reports from around the world of, 
of just spikes of COVID and different variants that are popping up. But let's go to God's Word. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be in verses 4 through 9. Actually, 4 through 7. I'm going to keep it a little shorter than that. Let's pray before we read God's Word this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word, that it is your word, it is God breathed that men's hands may have penned these words, but you breathe them onto the page through them. So we recognize uh, this book, this holy book, it's set apart, that it is your word for us. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes to your truth, that it would take deep root in us, that it would change us, that we would walk out of here different than we walked in because we have met with our Creator. God, I just surrender to you right now. Use me for your kingdom, for your glory, and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Philippians chapter 4, starting verse 4, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. I'm going to stop right there real quick before I jump and read the rest of this. Anytime you see in Scripture where someone says something and then repeats themselves immediately afterwards, it's always good just to take note of that. So if you want to underline that, highlight that, or circle that, make note of that, there's, there's always something important about that. So just as you're reading your Bible, just, just try and remember and recognize that. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's some, that's some really good stuff, right? The first thing I want to pull out of this text for us this morning is this. Rejoice in the Lord always. That first little line there gets its own point in the sermon this morning. Rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Rejoice in the Lord when things are going your way. Rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it. That's not what it says, is it? Rejoice in the Lord always. I remember um, a song that came out not long ago by Pharrell Williams. Uh, it's called Happy. You're probably familiar with it. It's like top of the charts for a long time. Clap along if you, this whatever. Clap along. There's this, there's this line in the song that, that just never, I love the song. It's fun, you know. But there was this line in the song that just, just never hit me right. And it's, he says, clap along if happiness is the truth. Clap along if happiness is the truth. That just never sat well with me. I think it goes back because Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. That, that Jesus is the truth. But we kind of live in a world where Pharrell Williams, the great theologian, I guess, you know, he has this idea that happiness is truth. And and we can look at our world and, and how they live and, and what everybody is after. And you could, you could actually say that maybe happiness is the truth here right now. What people are looking for, what people are striving for, what people are worshiping. We are all seeking happiness, right? We're all seeking happiness. We want to be happy. And there's nothing wrong with being happy. There's nothing wrong with being happy. But... I think what Paul is talking about here as he shares this letter with the church in Philippi is something that goes way beyond 
what we see as happiness. This rejoice or joy in the Lord is so much more than fleeting happiness that is based on circumstances or based on things that we acquire or based on our desires being met. There is something, there is something supernatural that as we go to God, He reveals to us what true, lasting, and ultimate joy really is. Something that's not found in what we have. Something that's not found in how we are taken care of. Something that's not found circumstantially. Something that goes far beyond. He's talking about ultimate joy. Let's be honest, right? Like our circumstances aren't always something that we should be rejoicing about, right? I mean, it'd be silly to walk around and say something like, oh, I'm so happy my house burned down, right? Woohoo, I'm sick. This is great. Let's, let's just be happy about this. No, it's silly. But what Paul is saying is we can still worship. We can still rejoice in God's goodness in spite of those things. And in fact, we find the goodness of God, the closeness of God, and strength of God when we are at our weakest. When we are in the struggle. Because, man, I don't know about you, but when I'm hit with the realities of life, the difficulties of life, it forces me to my knees. And in desperation, I'm like, God, you got to save me from this mess. Helps me realize who I am. And really, it makes me realize who God is. This rejoicing is, is something that goes way beyond happiness. God meets us in the mess. We don't rejoice or celebrate our suffering. We look to the one who can deliver us from them, and we rejoice in him. Worship, hear me on this, worship draws our attention away from our circumstances and draws it onto our Savior. Let me say that again. Worship draws our attention away from our circumstances and onto our Savior. And that's, that's what, what Paul's. that's why he says it two times, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice Remember whose you are. Remember who saved you. Remember what he's done. Remember that through Christ, when God sent his only son, that through Christ, we, like we sang this morning, have eternal victory. That there's a place set aside for us in eternity that God loves us and he's going to bring us along one day to that paradise. Don't get caught up in the temporary. Look to the eternal. Don't get caught up in fleeting happiness. Get caught up in everlasting, ultimate joy because of what Christ has done for you and me. Rejoice in the Lord right? That's what it's all about. In the Lord, his goodness, his provision, his love, his kindness, his power, his strength, who he is, his sovereignty, his all-knowingness, his gentleness, and his love for you personally. Rejoice in the Lord. It's a joy that goes beyond Anything, any fleeting happiness you could ever understand. 
And Paul goes on, he talks about this peace that surpasses understanding, right? Like there's, there's something that God gives us that goes beyond our understanding. Wrap your mind around that for a second, right? That's just supernaturally through the power of his Holy Spirit that lives in you. He's going to do something that you don't understand. So, Mission View Church, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. The next point I want to pull out is in verse 6. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about the little things. No. Don't be anxious about the things you can control. No. It's not what he says. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Zilch, nada, nothing. That's hard, isn't it? That's a hard one. Don't be anxious about anything. I mean, anything. We talked a little bit about fear last week, and um, Mike came up, and we shared a little bit about fear and anxiety. What's the difference? I love how Mike defined this. He said, fear is an actual or perceived specific threat to one's well-being. Is that on the screens? Good. Anxiety is a nonspecific threat or vague sense of calamity to our general sense of security and stability. Pretty, pretty good definitions there. So that's what anxiety is. That's what anxiety is. And really what we see here in Philippians is that this do not be anxious isn't optional. It's not something we're supposed to do sometimes. It's not a recommendation or good advice. It's a command. Do not be anxious. I don't know about you, but man, I struggle with that. Let's be honest, right? We're here sitting in church. I know it's Hoover Hall, but this is church because we are the church, right? Let's just be honest. That's really hard, right? And here's the, here's the reality is that God never commands us to do anything that he will not come alongside us and empower us to do. He doesn't say that you can't struggle with anxiety. He doesn't say that you're not going to struggle with the temptations and the, you know, the, the battlefield of the mind and working through these things. In fact, he probably knows that. Actually, he does know that because he's God. And therefore, he writes here, do not be anxious because it's not good for you. In fact, I'll let the Harvard guys study it and let you know that too, just so you have some backup there. It's not good for you. Do not be anxious. But there's going to be a real struggle there. And we have to be honest that it's really there. It doesn't make you any less of a Christian. It doesn't, it doesn't bring you down three notches on the Christian holiness level. It's just a reality of life. Because what happens is we go through life and when something hard happens to us, we find out that we're not God. <laughs> and we're not in control. I mean, we can put on the mask and parade around as if we are in control, but then God's going to show us and he's going to reveal to us that we're really not in control, that he is the only one in control. And he does things that we don't understand. And he does things and works things into our lives that are difficult sometimes and shows us what we need and gives us what we need sometimes when we really don't want to need it. And that's just, that's just the reality of the Christian life. 
that God loves you too much to leave you the way you are, that he's going to step into your life. He's going to reveal himself to you, and he's going to grow you. He's going to constantly grow you closer and closer to him. In his grace and his mercy, that's what God does. I like to think I have my life under control, right? My plans are working out exactly as I had planned them, you know? Oh, you know, we just cruise through life. We can feel really good about ourselves, and then a pandemic hits, and you're like, what? What just happened? I, I thought life was great. And my acid reflex kicks up. My wife's laughing. That was my wife laughing, by the way. Right? And I'm, I'm back on, you know, whatever that medication is, you know, and Tums are sitting beside the bed, right? This is just the reality of life. And what God is showing us is that he wants us to trust him more. Right? We have to get honest with ourselves because God already knows it. We can pretend that we're letting God know. But really what's happening is we're looking inside of ourselves and through the power of his Holy Spirit, he's revealing to us little pockets of our hearts, little pockets of our minds that really don't trust him. Listen, I trusted you, God, until I got COVID. Listen, I trusted you, God, until this pandemic hit. I trusted you while my plans were going fine, and then you had to just jack them all up, and now I don't know what's going on. Right? No, what God is... Okay, here's the point. Christians, we need to repent. This is a hard word, and it is a true word. We need to repent. If some measly little pandemic is going to make us freak out with acid reflux and fear and hide in our closets for nine months, then we need to repent. Now, I'm not saying that we should be unwise as we move forward through a pandemic. I'm just saying we shouldn't be the ones hiding in the closet for a year. We should be the ones who trust God with our lives. Now, let me just clarify, repent, and what that word means, because I think it's been used and abused for so long. The word, the Greek, repent, means metanoia, and all that means is change. You're going north Turn around and go south. That's what repent means. That's all it means. Who, who here needs to change? Right? We all need to repent. We all need to change. And this, is, this was our opportunity where God is revealing to us where we are not trusting him. Where we're not giving our lives over to him. You know, just personally, what he's shown me is how much I value the temporary more than I value the eternal. You know, this life is good, right? We have all kinds of great stuff to enjoy here. And every once in a while, I find myself enjoying this more than I probably am thinking of enjoyment in heaven. Now, how ridiculous is that? Right? I mean, that is crazy. To think they're like, oh, life is good. I'm out here on the golf course. It doesn't get any better than this. Blah. What? Are you kidding me? Golf is good, but heaven is amazing. Like, you think it's great here? Just wait until you see the par fives in heaven. Just wait to see what your swing will look like there. 
Just think about life in heaven where there's no such thing as anxiety. Where there's no such thing as temptation. Where there's no such thing as suffering. There is no cancer. There is no sickness. There is no separation from God. There is no weakness. We walk in perfect relationship with God, unhindered. Seeing him face to face for the first time, all of humanity has longed for this. For all of eternity, we have longed to be with him. And we think that golfing here is the pinnacle of everything. Are you kidding? Do we see who he is? Do we recognize the love that he has for us? Do we recognize his provision and his goodness and his greatness? Who he is? Do you know him? And we say, yes, we know him, but God, I want to know you more. God, I need to know you more. And that's what he's showing us, church. He's saying, listen, I've shown you this much, and I want to show you this much. You've experienced this much. I'm going to take you down to this level. We're jumping in the deep end. This is what I'm doing. I have a future for you, and you need to be ready. That's what he's saying. You look at our world today, you look at all this stuff going on, God is preparing you for a destiny that he has set aside from you before time began. In Ephesians, it tells us that he knew our names before he created anything. And he had good plans set aside for you and me. And he has this amazing plan that was set aside before time began, and you are meant to play a part in this plan. What's your part? I tell you this, it's not hiding in your closet. It's sharing the gospel with people who don't know Jesus. It's recognizing what God has done in your heart and in your life and knowing that God wants to do that in other people's lives too. And it moves us and motivates us to share the gospel because if God can change me the way he's changed me, then he can change so many other people the same way. There's nothing special about me. It's special, a special God who has called and chosen and predestined those who will go after him. Let's move on. I, I totally went off my point there, <laughs> right? Number three is this last point. God gives us some really amazing things through Paul here. He knows we're going to struggle with anxiety. He knows it's wrong. He knows it's bad for us. And so he gives us some really good pointers. He says, pray, petition, request, and give thanks. Pray, petition, request and give thanks. I know there's a lot of you out there, you like the take-homes, right? You like the homework. My wife always listens to my sermons and she always says, you gotta answer the big question, so what? Right? God gives us this word, so what? Well, the so what, the answer is this, pray, petition, request, give thanks. Pray, petition, request, give thanks. Say it with me. Pray, petition, request, and give thanks. Pray, Petition, request, and give thanks. Big stuff. Sounds simple, but it's the answer. Because what's going to happen is pray, petition, request, and give thanks. As we do those things, what are we doing? We are taking our mind off of what's going on around here, and we're taking our mind and resting it on God. 
we are praying, petitioning, requesting, and giving thanks. And our minds go from this worry of stock markets and this worry of pandemics and this worry of my next job and this worry of supplies and demand and worries of retirement and worries of investment, all this stuff. And it goes, and we're praying and we're petitioning and requesting and giving thanks. We are focusing on God. We are taking all of these things and saying, I can't do anything with this. Only you can do something with this. Come, God. Come be God in my life right now. Come be God, capital G, in my life right now. I lay it all down. I thought I was in control. I had my mind wrapped around it. You showed me I didn't. Therefore, I humble myself before you, God. Come and be God in my life. I surrender it all. And that's what he's after. That's what God's after. He's after your surrender. He wants your heart just laid before him. You know why? Because in that surrender, in that humility, as we lay our lives before him, he steps into it and his Holy Spirit empowers us and changes us in ways we never thought possible. Just as a testimony here, some of you seasoned saints, how just testify that God has changed your life in miraculous ways. Just raise your hand right now. Testifying. Look at all the hands raised in this room. Look at them. That is a testimony of the power of God to change people's, not just lives, but eternal destinies. I see that hand, Alistair. Praise the Lord. It's my buddy over there. God loves you. He wants to change you and grow you. And I know that you have been anxious. And God knows that you have been anxious. And we need to take that seriously. If it's a command not to be, then we need to repent when we are. Humble ourselves before God and just say, you know what? Doggone it. I'm struggling with this, Lord, and I need you. I need you. We pray and we petition and we request. But here's the kicker, man. We give thanks. God, you are God. God, you have saved me. God, you did this miraculous work in me. Thank you, God. Thank you for what you've done. I love reading through the Psalms. And so often as you read through the Psalms, you have this, me and Noah were just reading through them the other day. You read through these Psalms and David's always like, how could you do this to me? You have laid me at my enemy's feet. Do you not care for me anymore, God? How could you do this? And like literally in the next line, he's like, but you are awesome. You are the greatest God. There is no one like you. And you will deliver me from the evil. And you're just like, you have this like huge like prayer or song that David has written. And he goes through this ups and downs. And it's just so real, right? I mean, God says that David was a man after his own heart. And we see this vulnerability and honesty that David had that David had with, with God. Like, like, he would say all these crazy things. You would start out this song or psalm that David wrote, and you're like, did he really say that to God? Like, oh my goodness. And then by the end of it, you're just like, how did he get there? How did he get there? Pray, petition, request, and give thanks. Here's what's, it's just, I love... I love the, how the text ends. And this is the promise. 
and ask for this. Ask for this. Say, God, ask, just, God, do this. Do this in me. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Man, that's what we need. That's what our world needs. And God says it is available to you right now, right here. Pray, petition, request, and give thanks. And he's saying he's going to give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. He's going to guard your heart and your mind. Get this, in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? As we focus our minds and our hearts on the good things of God and we pray and petition and request and give thanks, all these things, one one of the things, the thing that we focus our mind in on is Christ Jesus. That the very Son, the only Son of God, left paradise for you and me because He loves you. That paradise I was talking about that we're all longing for, He left it. He put on flesh, became a man, truly God and truly man. He only lived 33 years on this planet. Well, He rose again too, right? So He's still living. But he lived that perfect life that God's righteousness demanded. That none of us could live. And then he died a sinner's death on the cross in my place. In your place. That's how much he loves you. He knew every sinful thought, every sinful deed you would do. And he still chose to allow his creation to murder him. And three days later, he rose from the grave, defeating death and sin for you and me. Later, he ascended into heaven and now sits at the right hand of God the Father on the throne, preparing a place for you and me. And one day, maybe in our lifetimes, he will come again in the clouds And we'll see him face to face. That's the goodness of God. Focus our minds and hearts on that. That's where our hearts and minds are guarded in Christ Jesus. Amen. I've asked Mike Mischa to come up again this week. And we're going to have a brief conversation about anxiety. It was so helpful last week. And I just really appreciate Mike's time and coming in to do this. We've been working on it for so long, too. I did better on time this week, Mike. I'll move this out of the way for you, Jordan. I've been lifting weights so I can actually move this. Yeah, if you weren't here a year ago, I tried to lift this thing and embarrass myself. It was terrible. I'm sorry. Thanks. I need that one. It's funny the things that God uses to humble us, right? Podiums. Who would have thunk? Podiums. All right. Thanks again, Mike. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's good to be here. Thanks. Now, just to, just to share with everybody, you're a counselor, right? And you, you serve in this area, with the region at least. And yeah. Share a little bit. Um, well, about 35 years ago, my brother and I were called to start a Christian counseling center. Our primary, primary office is in Parma Heights. 
and uh, we also have office in Akron and a couple of other places. And so yeah, I've been doing Christian counseling for 35 years there, and I've uh, been teaching counseling with the uh, Moody Bible Institute for a while in various places. So I've been doing it for many hours every week. It's yeah. a joy, just a joy. And uh, I've had the opportunity to read uh, one of your books, but you've written a couple books as yeah. well, right? Yeah, book on uh, Thriving Despite a Difficult Marriage, mm -hmm. and then Excellent. Uh, tr Transformative Change, How People Change, and some other things too, Bibl Biblical Model of Hope, a workbook that, that we use with our people who come and talk with us. Well, thanks for taking all the time to do this. Well, you're, you're, you're welcome. I emailed Mike months ago and said, hey, could you work on this? And he just was gracious enough to do that, so we're so thankful for that. Just a couple questions this week. Um, is there a difference between anxiety and worry? Yeah, yeah. Let, let, let me, if I can, just start off by, by I want to make one observation. Um, and, and that is, what you spoke today is just truth. Just truth. And but I, but I know, I talk with people who aren't in the church service, they go home. <clears throat> and they say, man, Matt's got it, he's got it nailed. He, he's, he's got it nailed. And these other people have it nailed, but I don't know, I just, I still feel anxious. And may, maybe, maybe there's something just, maybe, maybe I'm not a believer, you know, <clears throat> and the guilt and shame. Um, and then I know you know this, but, but if that's you and you don't feel like, man, the magic bullet has just been shot and here we are, um, Paul even talks about this a little bit earlier in Philippians, that I haven't gotten there yet. Yep. I haven't gotten there yet. I'm mature, but I haven't gotten there yet. I just think that's so important that we have compassion for each other, that some people are further along than others, and working through some difficult times and some painful things, especially with COVID, the loneliness, the emptiness, yeah. the doubts, the concerns. We're all human, guys. We're all human. Yeah. And God knows that. Amen. Amen. So worry and concern, yeah. So. I mean, worry and, 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 uh, anxiety. and anxiety. So anxiety is the big category. In fact, the, the most diagnosed mental problems are, are of anxiety with, the, with you know, panic attacks, phobias, obsessive compulsive disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder. So the worry is a subcategory under anxiety. And, and I'd like to differentiate worry and concern, okay? Yeah. Because you, you go to uh, Philippians 2.29, I have that right here. We see um, Paul is saying, now this is before you say be anxious for nothing. And so the same word here, I am the more eager to send him, uh, that's Timothy, therefore that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. What is he talking about? You know, it's just a contradiction here. Well, actually, that word is, is used in two different ways, worry and concern. So worry is... is basically coming from a place of insecurity. It's without hope and without resources so that the emotions of anxiety or, and, and, and concern, they, they're overwhelming. They run my life. They are in control of me. Whereas concern is, yes, I've got a threatening issue, a difficult issue. However, I'm not insecure. Nice. And this is in Christ. I have a base in Christ. So I have plenty of hope. And rather than my experience of anxiety governing me, I'm going to go after it. Um, I'm, I'm going to use the anxiety as an energizing, not a debilitating experience. So I'll go after the issue. Whereas worry is, I'm controlled by it, and I'm immobilized. Okay, awesome. That's a difference, yeah. What are the various causes of anxiety you see for people who come in for counseling? Yeah, this is an important question because so much of anxiety is biological. It just is. People have an illness, or there's a hormone change, a hormone change, medication maybe causing anxiety. 
And some people will feel guilt because I'm anxious, I shouldn't be anxious. Well, get checked out, you know, get a, get a physical, see what, yeah. see what might be going on there. So that's a primary cause of anxiety. Um, th there's also just trauma, unexpected loss. It's kind of jarring, and now I feel like you were saying, Matt, I don't have control over my life, oh my goodness. Right. So what if, what if, what if? So I, you may have to say, well, yes, you may lose control of, of, of certain aspects of your life, but that's when applying all that you have, you have said today. Um, two other important categories. <clears throat> One is, and, and this is where we're all different. Some people come from very chaotic, difficult families, difficult circumstances, and, and they, they haven't developed the basic skills of coping with life in a fallen world. Yeah. <clears throat> and some of that's physiological. They get triggered, you know, it could be with post-traumatic stress or whatever, and, and my, my body's just kind of freaking out on me. And what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? My thoughts are racing. Well, sometimes you have to deal with the body yeah. before you get to the mind. And some of that is just basic self-discipline. One of the biggest things that, when I, that I see with people with anxiety is they're not sleeping. Okay? They're, they're not sleeping. And if you're not sleeping, man, your mind goes all over the place. So one other thing with that is there's, there's another basic thing. This is not complex. It's just there's an overmatch of life requirements to my capacity to meet them. So there's stress. And stress is a killer. And you know who's the number one vulnerability to stress and burnout? Pastors. Oh, I don't it's, doubt it. it. It's, it's true. It's dealing it, with all the people. It's really stressful. Oh, man, I'm a bet. <laughs> it's their fault. That's yeah. what I just said. No, I'm just kidding. I know you're a victim. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I should have never said that with the counselor. But, but I, I, I will evaluate people for, you know, disability and that sort of thing. And the, 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 the overmatch leads to panic attacks, uh, irrational thinking, can't sleep at night. So that has to be settled. So those are some of the reasons, but, but where we really want to dig in is what have you learned about coping with life in a fallen world? And that's what the things you were talking about today are so important. Yeah, so this is not on our list, but this is coming to me as we were talking here. Where, where do you think it is wise for someone to draw that line and say, okay, this problem, I need to talk to someone about this. You know, because we go through these biblical principles, applying them to our lives and walking through that. At what point do we say, you know what, it, it would be good for me to meet with a counselor, pastor, talk through things right now. What, what are some of the uh, signs or yellow flags that you would say would come up? Well, the first one is when your wife says, you need to go talk to somebody. <laughs> That's the best one, right? <laughs> Our spouse, right? right you leave yeah. to your spouse, man. They let you know, right? Well, it, it's when you, you've really tried this, what, what you're talking about. You've, you've sought the Lord. You've tried to relax, and you just can't sleep, and you can't turn your mind off. And it's getting worse. I, I, I'm moving out of control. So the signs are just there, there will be anger. There will be irritability. There will be uh, mentally, there will be uh, sometimes I just can't remember anymore. I can't focus. I forget where I am, what I'm doing. I don't trust people. I'm withdrawing from people. So there's a lot of relational things and a lot of cognitive things occur that are just lessening my ability to cope with, with life. And then I might be losing weight or gaining weight. Okay. I might be numbing myself inappropriately yep. with, with, uh, with uh, different, different things, pornography or with uh, uh, drugs, alcohol, alcohol yep. that sort of thing, or television or the internet, whatever yep. it might be. And um, when I realize that those are taking life from me, Mm. that I need to get some help. I need to talk to somebody. That's so good. So yeah. good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Great question. Yeah. Great question. So how do you see the expression of gratitude being different in Christian counseling than in secular counseling? 
Yeah, I want. This is, this is a good question. Yeah, I wanted to get. I, this. I wanted to talk about that because um, I've got friends, obviously, who are secular counselors. I have know lots of people who go to secular counselors, and it's good. They get helped. There's tremendous counseling techniques. I use some of them that will help people deal with their stress, their anxiety, their worry, their concerns. There's a lot of cognitive things. There's physical things that you can do, but. The, the secular field has moved into spirituality, as you know, yeah. and there's two practices that they use quite a bit <clears throat> that are very popular, and one is forgiveness, and the other is gratitude, have an attitude of gratitude, okay? And, and they're good, they're good, because when you, when you express gratitude, you actually start connecting with neural pathways that are positive, and you actually feel better, okay? But back to your sermon there is the goal happiness. Right. So... The difference in Christian counseling is, is that it's very real. In other words, when we're grateful, we're grateful to a person. Yeah. We're, we're grateful actually to the lover of our souls, the creator of the universe. Yeah. And so there's a connection, there's a relational connection. It's not just, well, I'm going to be, thank you, thank you that I, that, that I have running water today. Just thank you. Who are you thanking? It doesn't matter. You know, I'm, I'm just thankful. Okay, so that, that does feel better. But what happens when we really connect with God? Right. That I'm thankful to you, to a person or even to a brother or right. a sister. I'm, I'm thankful to you. There's a relational component. It's a worthy gratitude. Oh, yeah. It's a worthy gratitude, but it's also, you talked about the joy. It starts to say, wow. There's not just, I'm glad that I have clean water, which I am, you know, but God, you've provided that for me. Mm. Wow. So there's a, a type of joy that you start to experience. There is a God who cares. He's there. He knows us. Yeah, so good. Yeah, yeah. This was interesting to me. You had put in here the Ebenezer strategy <laughs> for dealing with anxiety. I yeah. had now, now, I had never heard of the <clears throat> Ebenezer strategy, so I was interested in hearing about this. So the word Ebenezer was used by Samuel when uh, he was referring to something that, that, that he I put a stone in, of, of, of remembrance in, in a place where they had won a battle, but I think he kind of borrowed it from Joshua. Okay, so... I, if, I, if I'm honest, which I am honest, there are, there are times where, I, like I'm listening to your message, Matt, and I'm saying, man, there are times when I'm just out to lunch. I mean, I just, God, I don't even know if you care. You know, I feel like I'm all alone in this, and I don't know, hope nobody gets into my mind because I'm just not doing great with this. Yeah. And, and some, I, I had an experience uh, this, this last week where I had some bad news, and boy, I got triggered. I thought, where are you going with this, Mike? Mm. Come on, man, come on back with it. And where is God in all of this? Yeah. So... I've had experiences in my life and where, I, where God has moved, and they've been profound. And you could say it's the pizza you ate last night. You could say it's your, your, your illusional creation. But no, it's not. God moved, okay? Yeah. Has anybody had those experiences where you know God moves? And you know what? I won't let anybody take that away from me. I, I won't let anybody, because that, that was God. And here's the point, is that it was experiential. Sometimes the concepts, they're so good, they're so rich, but they don't mean much when anxiety or depression has taken over my being. Right. So, yes, I know it's true. I, know it's, I trust God. I know God's good. So here's the Ebenezer. Okay, the Ebenezer is I take one, two, three, four, five, whatever, a profound experience where I know God has moved. I, I just know he's moved. Okay, and I have a list of them. So I'm ready to go. There's a, a huge thing of preparation for calamity, preparation for my own personal calamity. You know, I, I, I've got to be ready when I, when I crash. What am I going to do? What's my toolbox? 
And so I have that list, and I, and I start to think, well, you know, God's not, I don't even know where God is, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't like my thoughts, I don't like my, my mood, my, my anxiety, my depression. I'm not a very mature person at this point, so, but I can't make sense of it. Yes, I know I should do all those four things that are absolutely right. But then I think, where's my, where's my Ebenezer list? Where, where, you know, I know there God moved. I mean, he moved. There's no, there's no question about that. And as, now, as I say that, what my guess is, is if you guys go to the place where you're thinking, here's where God moved, there's something that actually happens physically with you. You, you shift, and all the negative reality that's hitting you right now starts to take a perspective because you, you move yourself to a different context. God moved. I can trust that. Yep. I can believe in that. Now, I can still believe in his word. I can still do all the practices, but I've experienced it. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's the truth making that. They say the longest six-inch journey from head to heart where that truth that's on the page becomes truth in my life. Absolutely. Oh, oh, absolutely. And, and that's why, you know, we take communion. That's that, yep. Because there's an experience of, I'm taking the, the blood of Christ. I'm taking the body of, of Christ. Right. There's something about experiencing that moves us back past some of our messed up cognitions. I thought this was really cool. And the, la the last one I wanted to ask you, I think it ties into this Ebenezer idea. Comment on the role community now plays in helping someone cope with anxiety. And I was going to say, too, that the testimony of our brothers and sisters in Christ and those who've gone before us and those who are beside us, their successes where God has come and, and just done supernatural work, changing their heart, changing their life. We look at that, hear those testimonies, and it changes us as well. Absolutely. And, and, and sometimes borrowing their faith Yep. You know, you, 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 let, me, let, me give a, let me give you the confidence that God has, is, is, Hebrews, is involved Hebrews in. Hebrews 11. Yeah, yeah, the whole idea, because I may not have enough. So I draw this on, on you know, the, the famous Second Corinthians passage, oh, yeah. where Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, wow, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us all in our afflictions, so that, and here's the key, we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction yep. with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Mm -hmm. For we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings. So through Christ, we share abundantly in his comfort. Been there. I get it. I understand. Let me, let, let, let me just walk alongside you yep. in community. And um, this, is, this is one of the reasons, so walk alongside you in, in community and, and not shame you, help you with your struggles, help you with, with whatever strengths, weaknesses you may have, and believe that God is working. This is one of the reasons when you, when you emailed me on that, that I, I got excited because I want to be part of a church that allows me to be happy, to be sad, to struggle, yep. to have joy. Yep. And the whole idea of community is not, hey, how you doing? Great, great, great. And that's, there's a place for that Sunday morning. Hi, you look great. That's fine. Fantastic. You know, um, but, but there's a place to say, you know, I want to be part of your life. I want to journey with you yeah. and, uh, and do some, some life with you. Not, not just tasks, but your own development as God is working in your life, causing positive and negative circumstances. I want to be part of that yeah. with you. I want, here, here's the key. And this is what I, what I love about, you know, so much about my, my relationship with, with the Lord that's, that, that is just so attractive. We want to know each other. Yep. 
good, bad, ugly, beautiful. I want to know you, and I want to be known, yeah. and not have somebody throw up when they know me. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not good, good, bad, ugly, beautiful. And that's yeah. part of community. Absolutely. That's the church. The beauty of that's, the church. Yes, absolutely. Life together. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Really appreciate You're it. Let's welcome. give him a hand. Thank you. Appreciate, appreciate you. I'm going to invite the band out to come and lead us in our last song. As they're coming out, though, there was, I was just wrecked during worship today. I wanted to share that second verse of No Longer Slaves. From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love has called my name. I've been born again into your family, your blood flows through my veins. Man, the, the depths of that, and if we could just live that out and believe that, that would be life-changing, and that will be life-changing as God makes that our reality. Let's stand and sing this closing song. Okay.